James 2, 1 to 13, favoritism forbidden. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Jennifer, if I can ask you to come. Jennifer blesses this church in so many ways, in all that she does in the office and being able to come here. But Father God, I pray that you will open our ears that you will speak through Jennifer, that we would hear your heart and we would hear your word. Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Morning, everybody. Morning. Good to see you all. Some new faces who I don't know. So I'm Jennifer. Um, who am I? Oh, yes, I'm Jennifer Roberts. And I'm... Uh, <laughs> I am... Um, have the misfortune, or rather the fortune, to be the administrator here as well as um, I do um, what they call itinerant ministry. So that's my CV. Um, for the children, um, you're very welcome to go over and do stuff. You might actually be older than I thought, but um, you've got some little booklets there that I've knocked up for you and there to carry on with the subject that we're doing today which is favoritism so um i'll um this has a do not show favoritism page and a love everyone like god loves us page which you need to write and then draw people in the middle with no favoritism 
and then you won't have to listen to the boring stuff. <laughs> okay. Oh, thanks for reading the scripture for us, Cliff. That was great. I wonder what I'm speaking about. Uh, last week, Tom used a certain sportswear brand slogan for his sermon title. Well, this week, I'm using a well-known catchphrase, and those who enjoy Strictly Come Dancing will know that if anyone had danced particularly badly, or the judges had been harsh to a Strictly Come Dancing couple, then Bruce Forsyth would say to them, don't worry, you're my favorite. Well, you're all my favorites. So let's explore this theme, which is basically about how we judge and label people. But point one is to reiterate what Philip and Tom have said over the last couple of weeks, that James is teaching us how to live out our faith practically in our everyday lives. Sometimes it's hard to do this, isn't it? Um, we understand the theory, but don't actually work it out in practice. But it's as critical now as it was in the time that James was writing, which actually was probably as early as 40 to 50 AD. He begins in verse 1 by saying, Brothers and sisters, believers in Jesus Christ. His message is to those who've declared their faith, who believe in Jesus as their saviour and king. He doesn't just say the Lord Jesus Christ either. James describes Jesus as glorious, and he does it deliberately. Why? To emphasize to his readers that Jesus wasn't just a man, but also God, and the very glory of God at that. So that's us too, brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to read some verses from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, and it's verses 26 to 29. They clarify and confirm to us who we are as believers of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And here's the crux of the matter. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Adam's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Just grasp hold of that. That's who you are in Christ. And I want us to hold on to this as we're looking at showing favoritism and to remember, if nothing else, that we're all one, exactly the same in Christ. 
heirs according to the promise. So we as Christians, James says, must not show favouritism. Paul outlined different types of favouritism in that little passage that we read. Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. We'd call it discrimination now, wouldn't we? Based on colour, race, sex, money, intelligence, ability. There are other discriminations. Nothing changes under the sun, unfortunately. As Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, it's still exactly the same today. But we as followers of Jesus are not to show favoritism or discrimination. The definition of favoritism is to give unfair preferential treatment to someone or a group at the expense of another. Well, there are many stories of favoritism in the Bible, aren't there? We only have to look at Jacob and Esau, Isaac and Ishmael, Joseph and his brothers, to name but three. And we also read of the damage it does to those families and relationships when love is given in different quantities. And in particular, when children don't feel they come up to the standards that their parents require of them and don't feel loved or secure. So James then gives us an example of what he means, a comparison between someone rich in wealth and someone poor. He gives a scenario where people make judgments according to the clothes that are being worn, whether they're fine or filthy. They don't only make judgments based on the clothing, they make decisions based on the judgment about where those people will sit. So the judgment they made led them to a belief that then led them to an action when we make a judgment about someone, it leads us to believe something about them. And it then leads us to act based on our belief. Verses three to four say, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This is, of course, what James is trying to teach us, that our belief in our glorious Lord should lead us to right loving action. But favoritism or bias is not wisdom and only leads to discriminatory and wrong actions. We've discriminated among ourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. James isn't pulling any punches. He's straight to the point. These are not good thoughts, but evil ones. So I think it's probably time to be straight with ourselves, honest about how we feel. We attach a certain status to those in nice clothes, don't we? 
even if we don't want to, and we know it's wrong, we still do. If someone comes in, not necessarily in rags, but who has body odour and is clearly unwashed, maybe their teeth are not so good. We make judgments on status and consequently on whether there's someone we want to get to know. And how do we make the decision about who's good or who's bad? Who's worth speaking to or who isn't? If we discriminate, if we choose not to speak to that person or treat them differently, then we're basing our decisions on world standards. Certainly not the standard that Jesus set us. After all, he was often accused of hanging about with the wrong crowd, with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. The religious leaders of the day always had something to say about who he was speaking with. When I really think about the biases that I have, it makes me cringe. Why do we think that some people deserve more than others based on our assessment of their clothes, their outward appearance, their abilities and disabilities, the colour of their skin? Imagine if God applied that thinking where would we be standing? We certainly wouldn't be saved and loved by our creator God, who made each one of us individual, different to everyone else. Yet we often base our judgment on conforming to a worldly norm. What about the other way round too? Do we expect favoritism? If we've given a lot of money, perhaps, or if we have the capacity to spend a lot. How do you feel about the money you have? Do you feel it gives you a bit of status above others? Or do you feel you don't have respect because you don't have any money? Perhaps you feel hard done by because of your abilities or your color or your sex. Or maybe it's your qualifications and your work that gives you a status in, you, in the world. All of this looking at the world and effectively trusting in it leads us to make biased decisions and treat one person or a group differently and negatively to others. It's probably just worth asking the question, why do we have favorites? The answer is usually because we want something from our favourite group or person, whether that be worldly status, being seen to conform, or simply seeking love and security. Why do we need them? Why do we have favourites? Basically, because we're not finding our all in Jesus. We're not trusting in him alone. You won't need anything else if you're trusting fully in Jesus. He gives us everything we need, including security, fulfillment, 
and purpose, complete love is available through him alone. So James says in verse 5, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. I was reminded of Tom's sermon last week when he spoke on listening, receiving and doing. James is saying it again. Listen. He wants us to hear what he's saying. It really matters. And now he turns the rich and the poor question right on its head. It's totally countercultural to the world he and we live in. I love how he uses the rich and the poor in his negative example and then says, look who's really rich, look who's really poor. James contrasts faith and money and asks what comes first in our lives. What does our heart say? Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? The Holy Spirit in us cries out at these words, cries out, Abba, Father, we're so rich, chosen by God to inherit his kingdom if we love him. What a great blessing this is. But God doesn't separate the poor and the rich in wealth. The richness of both the poor and the wealthy lies in God's love for us and our love for him. There are no monetary terms for God's love. And there's no favoritism with God. When he looks at people, he only sees two types, sinners or saved. There's no halfway, there's no less or more sins. White lies are still lies. All those who've lived have disobeyed God's perfect law, except for Jesus, of course who lived a perfect life to take our place on the cross. James says in chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, just in case we think we're better than others, if we've only committed little sins, that we only have to break one part of the law to come under God's judgment. You either keep the whole law, or if you just break one part whether it be murder, adultery, favouritism, you've still broken the law and your life is not right before God. There are no favourites with God, simply sinners or those who are saved. God's heart is perfect. He's full of love and justice and mercy. In Acts 16.30, when the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas how he could find salvation, Paul answered, If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Paul says more in Romans 3.22-24. 
he says this, righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. If we really know ourselves and how God, through his son Jesus, has saved us through his love for us, how can we possibly have favourites? We must have mercy. The cross on which Jesus died for you and me is the complete example of mercy triumphing over judgment. And if we've received God's love and mercy, then we must apply that gift to others. Apply that love and mercy to how we have fellowship with others. How we treat everyone we come in contact with, without fear or favour. So how do we treat those in our families and our friends? Do we treat them all the same? Give everyone the same amount of love? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. To ask the Holy Spirit to show us if we're fair and just. Loving and merciful in our relationships. We need to ask the Spirit for cleansing and forgiveness if the answer is no. And it probably will be, it is in me. And for us to live according to God's great love that he showed for us. And actually I was going to say showered on us and I mean that. He showered his great love on us. In verse 8, James says we're to be obedient to the royal law. The royal law is the law of the king. King of kings and lord of lords. The short version of the royal law is to love God with all your heart, mind, body and soul. And to love your neighbours as yourself. Or to love our neighbours as ourselves. This first appears in Leviticus 19, along with the law against showing partiality to the wealthy. We are to treat all equally, regardless of their wealth or position. It's the fulfilment of the command to love. And just as an aside, we must never think that James is saying that obedience is a condition of salvation. It isn't. The whole context of chapter 2 makes it clear that our obedience doesn't accomplish salvation, but it's the evidence of it. We aspire to be obedient if we've been saved. It's the Holy Spirit working in us and teaching us how to do life when we follow Jesus. If we consistently show partiality to some and deny the command to love our neighbours as ourselves, then it's possible that we lack God's grace 
in our lives. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God knows your needs and we can trust him for everything whilst loving him and loving our neighbours as ourselves. What's more, and if nothing else, let's ask ourselves, who actually is the judge? The judge over all things is God the Father alone, not us, not anyone, just Almighty God. Leave the judgments to him who's worthy to make them. And this morning, God, our Heavenly Father, is saying to us, you're all my favourites. Amen. Amen.